0: Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. All right, welcome to Product Coffee. I'm here with Marella uh, from Product People. Um, welcome to the show, Marella.
1: Thanks for having me, Kevin. Happy um, to be here.
0: Yeah. So Morella is the founder of Product People. Tell me a little about a uh, little bit about Product People. What what is it? What do you all do? And, and yeah.
1: Uh, sure. Thanks a lot. Um, interim product management as a service. So and also catering to Germany's largest product management community. And how does this come together? Is based on our mission to help companies discover and deliver great products faster. Um, so. A very scalable way to do it and giving back is to the community talks in which we have them every week or sometimes even twice per week, um, and with um, speakers from outside of company. Our company most of our um, most of the time. And the other way we do this is and the way we make money because the community events are all for free um, is doing the hands-on. And a lot of times, anglomerous work of a product manager on an interim basis. Um, mm. And I know some folks here, maybe from the US, um, which has a bit of a different working and contracting climate. Um, one of the things that's very specific to Europe, and especially Germany, UK, Switzerland, where we have our client base, is that they are very generous parental covers and sick leaves for full-time employees. And as mm. well as companies get bigger, It's um, not very custom to reduce staff on a short notice, um, which makes also the job market a bit less fluid. So this means if you have a product manager, if you're an established company, your product manager goes on parental leave, which has different sequences on which you can take three months or six months. And then it's an opportunity cost to have a development team without a PM for this amount of time, especially since... Mm. Depending on how you put a multiplier for overhead, a development team can cost you about a million euros per year, uh, fully staffed considering all, all the ancillary costs for that one. And uh, aside from the cost of this team for this amount of time, you also have the opportunity to cost that may, they may not be working on the right thing and you you may you may lose track of the market or you you may get behind your competitor. So I think this is where a service like ours makes sense, where the opportunity cost of NAFTA having someone for your uh, team becomes high enough to matter, to get an interim PM. Um, And and the other thing which which has been very um, favorable for us in the last year, it has been a huge talent crunch, um, Mm. lots of investment coming into Europe Um, And and not so much talent and especially not a lot of product talent as this is a newer discipline than in in the US. Um, And it's also evolving a bit in a different way than than what we see on the market. Um, And this is where we came in. Um, I mean, to, to show you as a comparison, in Europe, people still call this product owner in in some cases mm. where, so where you're it's still just like you're having that function. evolution
0: there yeah okay exactly
1: right so it's, yeah. it's 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 been um taking up a little bit harder um yeah. especially because a lot of companies in europe came from manufacturing backgrounds or they yeah. were very successful in their areas um but the we have we have started having our unicorns if, if i think about spotify or Klarna, um yeah. Or or others, um, but but not as fast. And still, like the core businesses have been companies doing X, or companies very niched, or of building the mm. the thing that goes in the machine, uh, in, in, instead of the let's say the whole plane.
0: This is a new area for me um, in, in the international p- space, but that that definitely paints a picture of where this could be valuable. Uh, and so I appreciate you going into that detail. So tell me more about like. When you started this, what was that initial kind of? Were were you the essential person that kind of was our your first consultancy group, and then you kind of grew from there? Like, how did you kind of start this and and realize this as a business over time?
1: Um, When I I, I've been in startups and scale ups before uh, in in the Berlin scene, but also working for Bay Area companies uh, remotely. Even Mm. before remote, it was cool. So (laughs) I've been. that, that, that was about 2012, to kind of give um, a, some perspective. And I was working for a company that was later acquired by Pandora, doing ethic um in, in Bucharest. And, and at some point I was looking at where, where is the product scene evolving the strongest. And, and I moved to Berlin. And after having a few jobs in Berlin, I, I realized, uh, and I think a friend of mine who was recruiting at Amazon made me aware that I look a bit like a job hopper. So I wasn't staying... Mm. More than a year or two in a company, um, and and that for for Amazon that that's a job hopper because the, in, in bigger corporations it takes a while until someone becomes um f, um onboarded on and uh, gives back as much value as if taken from one organization at that size. Um, so when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I started doing a bit of contracting, and what I mm. saw in the market um, is is two types of scenarios. So the very well funded. Type of um companies or initiatives um that would get management consulting involved and then at some point management consulting churns a few decks and a few strategic directions and, and then the, um, the specific client or company takes this to a dev shop and there's a lot of context and things lost. Mm. Uh, these, these shops may also have uh, business analysts or project managers or they started now later also calling them product owners and so on. Um, but their incentive is mostly to have some work for the the developers, which is the bulk of the um, revenue uh, mm-hmm. that these shops generate. It's not necessarily okay, are we really building the right thing? Could we do this with a no-code mm. tool? Could we do this with a different approach? Because this is also just how things evolved. Um, and then there, there are the lower budget uh, companies who do the same but without even having the management consultancy involved because because not everyone can, can afford this. Um, and and then what? What I also saw on the market is is that there's um, a niche of product centric and let's say digital first. And I know this is sounds so so weird for for the U.S., but there are some some companies that do very well, but their product is is not an app or um, a platform or an API. Mm. It's it's if you think of Volkswagen, they they sell cars, right? So they they have a few um, digital services or. Uh, tap a button rent an electric car mm-hmm. um type of things but those are um let's say strategic bets they've made uh a- along the way that the, the core business was, was that so I, I realized that there are there's for these companies that had emerged um after some time they may be series a plus to publicly mm-hmm. listed um where the product manager role um w- wouldn't Fit in in what the, the either the consulting uh, companies or the outsourcing shops focused on development can offer, be because none of them have done it and and none of them know. All right, well, what's a PM at the Zalando or Tier or other places? Let's say like Blinkist, where so, where the product uh, function is a merge of of business, uh-huh. but as as well as user centricity. Yes. Yeah, on. I see. Okay. I
0: see that, like the, um, yeah, you know, the the sales led versus the product led, or the feature led versus the the product led, and, and that, that different mindset shift happening is what kind of what you're describing, where they have this this you know product centric focus, and then there's also a need where they have these gaps of, um, uh, uh, you know, the developers essentially working without PMs to to help guide the ship. Uh, in some scenarios. And, and, and there's also this digital and physical product that they're kind of exploring. And, and, and sometimes they, you know, the product essentially is the the, the experience of that brand and that, that, yes. and, and so within that focus, you found, you identified a few of these that you probably, you know, as you being a consultant found this opportunity, and then you kind of starting hiring people, you started branding this, you put a, you, you know, you built a company around this, right.
1: Yes, so so the community part I was doing on the side. Um, oh, let's say as, as, the community. As a, yeah. Yes, and and we decided then it's it's an important pillar um, because it it helps. It, it's one of the things that we can show that that is not tied to an NDA, um, and uh, f- from the people's side, I thought if if I am bored as a product manager, maybe others would be bored. Mm. To just be in in the same company, because unless this company will go to hyper growth, it's it's not very likely that every six months your job would change. And at least for me, that that seems boring. I thrive in uncertainty and sorting out complexity. But once I do that, I don't find it it interesting anymore and I can hand it over to someone else. So... Yes. I think it it was more thinking that there's going to be other people like me. And if I've seen some companies that were very happy with this, uh, there could be others who have the need and, and that need is not well met on the market. And, and to add to the European climate, this also helped because at least the experience talking with some U.S. companies, it seems that contractors are usually seen more as a um, cheaper labeler or, or not some, something super mm. uh, specialized, whereas whereas in Europe, I've made more impact as an external um, person to a company than as an employee. As an employee, usually, yes, you, you will complain and you will bring up things because this is what employees do. But I, I don't know if this is a European thing or it's, it's just our observation or, or the limited touch points we've had uh, uh, around mm. our journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I can I can see that. I I think it comes with maturity in the role too. Like at some times when you're when you're doing the role more, it, it, it maybe it's it's maybe it's not just role maturity, but career maturity of like coming into an organization and feeling like, well, you know, this blame thing, like, hey, they're not doing their thing, they're not doing the work, or. Um, you know, I can't go do what I need to go do because of this person doing X, Y, Z, right. And it's kind of, it's, it's more of kind of deferring um, the, the, you know, the, the scrappiness of kind of getting into the weeds and kind of doing a lot of these things yourself, if it's not getting done. And I th- I kind of see that a lot in my, in my experiences, as I'm kind of managing product teams and managing product leaders is like, there's a, there's an element of that where it's like, well, no one's saying that you can't go do these things. No one's saying that you can't be, you know, ambitious and um, you know, why is that a blocker? Like, why are these things blockers make it not a blocker? Like go out above and beyond to be scrappy and kind of figure it out. You're a product manager. You should be able to do this stuff. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I always kind of, sometimes I'll catch folks in that kind of mindset. And I'm curious, like, as you, as you started to hire more PMs, you started leading them, right. And managing PMs, like, what is, what is your learning? Like, what does that journey look like for you?
1: Um for, for us, we, we try to encourage and, and select um, for for people who do just that. And this is also what, what we look into our leveling. Um, and, and I know there are a lot of schools of thought. I think leveling for product is super complex. So the, we adapted ours based on the contribution they can make to which size or type of organization. And I think this is in line with the level of ambiguity someone can have. Um, there's this very interesting thing as as an intern, if you get a very well defined task, you can do it. You're and right. then you, when you move up um, the the food chain, you you get a space and you can figure out which problem to solve there, right? So, so all of this is yeah. a space, the problem, then then what kind of product or product line, what kind of feature in that product, and and so on. So this this is one of the pillar that we look at at ambiguity, and then um, that ambiguity is given by. The, the size of the company and the space that they're in. Um, another part is stakeholder management because we're a people business and also a lot of the impact and judgment on, on how we work is is defined by people. And, and we've seen that, for example, in B2B, the complexity is slightly higher due to the stakeholder management angle, which needs to be super strong as you're going to have sales as a primary stakeholder, customer success and and others, depending on incentives compared to B2C where there are others, or Mm -hmm. maybe there's compliance involved as a strong stakeholder and legal and and so on and so forth.
0: Can you actually like walk me through a real world example? I mean, you can leave the company names out if it's too ambiguous or yeah, we don't want to put anyone in trouble, but like, I'd love to hear like what was like one example of a stakeholder Type communication expectation you had for a product leader on your team to really own, and they didn't, or like something where that kind of went wrong, and you guys have learned from that. Is there there sure. any specific yeah, example? I, I, yeah,
1: I have a lot of them, so I, I would just give a uh, give a sense. Um, one of the things that we try to understand is how hands-on is what we call the champion so that that is the most important person for us in that business unit or company Mm. is the one who risks the reputation to bring us in and is seen as ultimately responsible for us Mm. um and and there are a few types so there would be the the type where they expect results or they expect a heads up for something but they don't want to spend time with you they don't want to manage you they uh, they just wanna give you a document or a set of priorities, and then you hop around and, and do your thing. Um, and to be honest, this is also my preferred type, and, and that will also s- give you open-ended problems. So my my favorite mm-hmm. example where someone says, "Hey, look at this. Our our goal is to solve inspiration." For, for this type of customer, can you look at what we've built so far and draw your own idea and here's an analysis and here's a lot of things. Mm. So, and, and and that was is, let's say, example one. And on the same example, on the same type of company and, and business, you would have someone who wants to be CC'd in all the emails, want to sometimes even m- m- micromanage an A-B test and, and run yeah. their own analysis of all even if like there was an analyst who made it and wants to be very deeply involved in all the mm-hmm. other details. Um, and, and that's sometimes um, on our side to try to understand, is it because we did something wrong or is it just because how this person likes to be hyper-involved and they can't let go right. and, um, and, and and it's just a type. Um, the so, at of, least of uh,
0: empowerment, right? I mean, I think to your point, like if you give them the space, to, to go do the work. And then you focus more on the outcome. If, if you don't understand what outcome you want, then you're more likely to be of this micromanagey type where it's just, you, you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. And you kind of lean in. I feel like I, I see that with a lot of other stakeholders I work with. Was there one that you like, didn't like, uh, and, and kind of, you know, had to terminate a relationship with?
1: Oh uh, yes, but it wasn't. So we, uh, our, our goal usually, um, just, just to, finish on that one yeah. they had goals they had okrs um mm. and, and on top of that we were also making roadmaps and so on i think it was the the way the person evolved because they had grown into that people leadership role but somehow haven't let go of the details mm. uh, or it was also a bit of a personality type um sure. but, yeah. but that, that has made it a bit difficult for us to measure because you think yeah. if someone gets a bit too involved to your work maybe you're under scrutiny or not doing something else? Or is this person just has a tendency to micromanage and you just need to mm. CC them in everything so they feel better? Um, right. They
0: have a visibility talk, or oh, something. Yeah. yeah,
1: talk only in public Slack channels and 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 bring all of that together so they know that work is moving around. Mm. Uh, on, on the client, um, uh, on, on letting go of clients, so at worst, we would continue the engagement and not renew it. We think it would be mm. not professional to close on the client. Um, And most of the clients have been good. Uh, There have been once, um, uh, let's say a person, one of our uh, people was working with at a client that didn't behave in a way that we would like. And then we highlighted that to that person. So first we uh, we supported our team member of not being alone in calls with that specific person so we always send an associate and it was an mm-hmm. associate that was very calm and <sighs> friendly that like as a personality so that diffused um, the situation quite a lot um, and then we also raised that to the founder because it wasn't just our person there were uh, there was another um, product manager also a woman who complained about the same person on the same type of thing um, and another thing we then taught our person uh, our team member is to talk on public channels, uh, try to make this visible because no one is going mm-hmm. to risk saying things that you may then think that they would attack you if, if you're just um, in a public uh, space. Um, so so that has been, let's say, where the client was fine. They just probably had something in their HR practice that didn't catch this particular flag. So we flagged it in a polite way because we saw it yeah. as a pattern at some point. Um,
0: so you're really like coming in and like leveling up these organizations, not just in product, right? Like, but but just overall. I, I mean, I love that aspect of it, and I think that you're approaching that really mindfully uh, and thoughtfully. Like, t- tell me a little bit more about like onboarding, coming into a company or an organization where you're you're um, you know, have an interim product manager mm-hmm. and you're, you're you got hired to do a job. Is there a certain level of information? That, that you and your team need to get going or get started? Is there kind of like a debrief or like this kind of, uh, hey, you know, let's run through all the items and then ask the right questions. Like, is there a certain level of information that you guys need to get started?
1: Yes, we, we have that pre-kickoff. So, so um, pre-kickoff, yeah. first of all, it, it depends if we know the client or not. And if mm-hmm. it's a bigger client, have we worked with this business unit or not? Because if, if it's sense. a 5,000 people yeah. company, then depending if they're on which, is it the... Um, operational pillar? Is it a B2C pillar? Is is, is it something else so that things can change and also within the same business unit it can be a microculture. Um, And if it's an existing client then we already will have the people who join be briefed by the people who work there. Mm -hmm. And, And there's sometimes, okay, there may be this person who will always complain about Scrum uh, or you know the 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 role is like if, if it's a small enough company we would already know the people and say hey don't worry this hmm. person will come up and and may say this um, this um, line manager or or uh, head of product CPO um, likes you to update them this way uh, whenever hmm. so the, this for example a person who doesn't like taking decisions so if if you come up with things they will expect you that you already see something have already two or three solutions have already chosen which solution and have already thought of the next steps um so so in that case if you come up and say hey this is not not working what do you suggest it will fail there because they expect Mm -hmm. you to to do everything to go through and uh, to be served and say like but but that 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 is the expectation so whereas others um, would say, well, why did you spend time already coming up with this? You could have asked me because I'm the one who decides. Um, but that's again, Got like it. knowing the organization and knowing the, the people um, yeah. for, for the new clients to to answer your question. Yes, we, we have an intake. And what we try to do is also laser focus on this because um, we're not going to spend time in a lot of HR onboardings. And, and many times we're not even passed through that as contractors. Um, so we want to know who who is the person responsible for us, what's the short-term and longer-term mission, um, what, what, what's uh, the, the current strategy that's being executed, what's the longer-term one, um, and then a few things on how is the team working, how happy are, are they with how it's... So should we just continue flying the plane as it is, or do you want mm. to diverge and do some stuff?
0: Yeah. So you're um, kind of like figuring out what are those pillars in place to like be able to operate? Um, do they have those in place? Um, what are those? And then kind of how, the team health, right? Like a, how, how's the team operating today? Is there any kind of red flags or concerns we need to know about? How can we best plug in? And then, you exactly. know, and then you have the briefing if, with the, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And if they want us to just plug in into what is mm-hmm. there, yeah. um without commenting or if they're looking for an overhaul and and most of the times when they don't know us or when there's already a, a successful existing company even if you don't like some processes well it's it's already yeah. a company that's been running for a while the worst thing you can do is come to um to criticize or or try to change that without having established yourself because then you would just get rejected so unless our goal there is to Rock the boat. We were not going to do that because mm-hmm. that's very costly. But if our goal is to, hey, these are the um, the OKRs that we need to hit, or we're we're looking to inc- increase our um, take rate for mm-hmm. this particular um, business unit, and and these are the the shorter term or longer term. Or another one would be we want to um, I- increase the uh the upsell rate of um, existing subscribers mm-hmm. um and and let's let's look at the 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 problems these existing subscribers have what's their current journey and what would be the the touch points for for this uh, or it could be also something very open ended so then we we start mostly with what's the work to be done rather than spending mm-hmm. time on and and then taking things as they are so if they have yeah. a sequence of meetings we just put that in our calendars and And initially just observe and and try to be productive in in that setup um because we've seen that this this works the best unless people complain about things and and i think the the hardest for us to be effective um is in a successful organization because there you Mm. you already have things going it's it's harder to make an impact directly because Fires are not burning and people are not complaining about things and you need to intake all the existing knowledge of what worked and what what didn't work before you can make something As no one wants to change a successful uh, product and potentially for the worst. But if it's a complete disaster and confusion and just everything is um, all over the place, then that's super easy to just be a effective in that setup because you'd come up and um or or reorganize a bit of the priorities uh, align people and and then they've already noticed that you came and things look a bit more clear and sorted out so that is also the the context matters for us but usually in the successful places then we would also have a bit more time to to do things. And, and they may also be a bit more documented, depending as that. that mm-hmm. We've we'll noticed that bigger companies, they would already welcome us with a few uh, documents to read. And in, in some, they would even organize the one-on-ones and saying, okay, you're going mm-hmm. to work with this person and this person here's 30 minutes to get to know each other. Here's the.
0: What's been um, the most effective, like, yeah. What's been the most effective onboarding for you or, or with, with these companies that you work with?
1: um I, it's it's pretty hard to generalize because yeah. i've had onboardings to the point that we were starting the engagement and people hadn't sent the accounts yet and after um chasing i had managed to get with with someone on a uh, on, in a meeting and then they've invited me with some meetings that had the funny nicknames and said hey this is for expansion here <laughs> this is for expansion there yeah. i I've, I've invited you i'll now decline the meeting you'll do well and and that was my own team. <laughs> um, so that's yeah, that's it, where it, it
0: doesn't go well. Was there like, and you don't have to generalize, but is, was there a specific one where you are like, man, if we can have this t- level of onboarding for every client, we would be so much more effective.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so 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 we're currently seeing right now that this this is an engagement that just started, but okay. I think the the ones who did very well, and and I can um, also give a shout out to to Lucy from Outfits uh, at at Zalando, as they've prepared everything. Um, in in a sense of, here's the how we fit in the broader mission of the company. Um, here are the people that uh, you're going to work and meet with. Here are the product teams and the scope of these product teams within our business unit and our north star metric uh, and and what we're looking for. Um, these are the people that that you're going to work with from. Engineering to analytics to other PMs and and business stakeholders. So everything was sorted out in a deck, and and here are um, oh, nice. a few documents to read. Then um, here's our roadmap, and and here are here's our um, h uh, one half a year strategy, and and this mm. is what we did in the past. Um, and then on top of that, there was also a product manager there that was working um, with an applied science team on making algorithmic office recommendations. And she also welcomed me with a super big documentation pointing to, of course, other documents on, on how this, um, this whole thing worked and what things were in progress. But that has been the best so far, like they, all, all the others are for... for um, and I think the worst ones have been where we are told that work would do X and, and that the main decision maker is person one. And then it turns out you do y or z and the decision making is person two or three um so i i think uh, the um, the lack of info <laughs> right, we got a little I,
0: surprise over here marilla said <laughs> Can you say hi?
1: hi hi
0: she's got some cool headphones mm. sorry to sorry to interrupt hi. your thoughts there
1: um, in other words, uh, so, so maybe to add, I think um, the lack of information hasn't been necessarily problematic because we've been figuring out how to identify the people who can help us and and just doing a bit of forensics. I think the worst have been when we got confusing or completely opposite uh, information. So I remember this yeah. from... Um, <laughs> A software as a service company. Um, mm. where we we onboard there. There, I think, um, close to hundred people. Um, and um, co-founder and CTO says, "I'm the I'm, I'm the ultimate decision maker for the product. I'm ah, just yeah. talk to me. Everything is great." And and then a bit later, <laughs> the CEO comes in and says, "I'm the ultimate decision maker. Ah. And and <laughs> you should involve me in everything and so on." And and we found that at that stage, it was already um post product market fit already acquired business was doing quite well that the the ceo is mostly a stakeholder doesn't want to be that much involved Mm -hmm. and and also we took the information from the first person um and and then that turned out to give us a bit of a negative review because people were well i'm i'm the one to decide and i'm the one to decide and Mm -hmm. and at some point we just ended up putting all of them in a meeting and, and considering both of them as um as the counterparts. Um, so, so that, that has been one of the things. So I, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily mind if we don't have a lot of info, Pr-
0: yeah. probably
1: the confusion throws us off and it's, it's also expensive for the client because then we will spend time on something that maybe wasn't what they needed or a priority.
0: That makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're very good at meeting the situation of what's needed um, really well, regardless of if it is nice or if it's not right. It sounds like what you said, like having those quicker wins is nicer because then you can start to gain traction and show progress faster. So if things are on fire, it's great because that, Hey, these are easy fixes that we can kind of continue to build off of when it is mainly humming, right. Then you're kind of like you're almost just kind of like keeping the train on the tracks, right. As much as you can and and playing less of a strategic role, or maybe just catching up and and trying to see where you can contribute, especially if it's a larger organization, like what you just mentioned is just like, it's much harder to make those um, pivotal um, improvements, you know, in the short term, it's more of steering that ship in the right direction, which is it gets larger and larger and larger at those companies at scale. But,
1: uh, yeah, but I would say we're still good, even even at the company that's the uh, scale. We have managed to move the north star metric in three months. Uh, it it was more resorting wow, to A/B tests. That's great, yeah. So so like in, in no way we could uh, we we could uh, impact something that's very big mm-hmm. uh, at at one of those. But if if you are lucky, and there are some things that that. Um, work out and then maybe work out better. This is mm-hmm. some, some observations we've had about um, user engagement loops. Like, I, I can't talk that much, um, yeah. but we've, we've optimized a few things and then we were lucky with um, maybe three out of four AB tests that we ran were all positive. So, so we had only the, the last one that um, wasn't rolled out and, and then that already made a difference and people were wow. very happy because it actually gave hope to the organization, to the people in that organization, that <laughs> yeah. they can move faster. Um, but of course, then it's understanding these bigger groups that you can't just mm-hmm. um, I, I um, milk the KPIs. You still yeah. need to make very large strategic bets. Um, but that wasn't our goal there. Our our, our goal within that team was mm-hmm. to make something that's running uh, that, um make that journey for the user a little bit better and that that worked so it it depends on the engagement with um with another company we've also had a full overhaul but Mm -hmm. that took between um, nine and 12 months and i'm saying that as as towards the end it changed more um the the scope of what we were doing as what the team that we were initially helping with that merged into another team so so it's still doable but it's not doable very fast yeah
0: Makes sense. So, Liv, maybe we could work through an exercise. I'd love to hear more about the process and practicality that, that you all kind of uh, come into a company. You have this debrief or what have you. Well, let's use an, a specific example. Let's say you get hired by an organization and, you know, hey, our goal is to drive retention. Mm-hmm. And um, right now it's an okay retention curve. It's not great, but we need to get that stabilized and we want to continue to grow that foundation. So, with that as an objective, how do you kind of productize that and break that, yeah, build this process into it?
1: All right. So on, on, on the growing retention, I, I would first, um, so this is even before we engage, I would ask what's the current team setup like? Hmm. Um, is, is this the only team in, let's say, maybe the retention tribe uh, or are, are there more? Because uh, is, is maybe a CRM component or is it just this in the app? Um, what, what is the business model
0: like? Yeah. Let's say that like the team set up, um, in pod structures, they have, um, you know, a a PM they have, um, uh, they don't have any designers. Let's just throw that out. And then maybe they just have a team of engineers, full stack, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. QA, um, Now, each of these pods are... All of the pods are focused on retention, but not directly so. Maybe they all have their own projects they're working on to influence retention. And so, yeah, then what?
1: Well, it it depends if we get one of these teams in the pod. So if if the mission is just do... Um, you, you won't have um, a delivery team and, and you would first just look at things and propose mm-hmm. initiatives. So that would be what we would call more of a discovery mission. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we would look at what they've done so far, what already works, potentially also map the current flow and key journeys, see if there's an analysis of the most engaged users versus the ones that are churning. Uh, so yeah, look, look at all the data that's there, see if there's some tribal knowledge see what they've already tried and work um see if the market is moving in some direction because maybe a retention problem would be that you you've been having um fitness app and this boom during corona and now everyone is kind of going outside or maybe back to the gym so mm-hmm. is, is there some, some market condition that that changed um and, and after we would have that um we would um I I don't want to go into solutioning but it could be looking at initiatives or doing an opportunity solution tree yeah. uh, to investigate various oh, yeah. areas.
0: That. Yeah, we just had Teresa on the show talking about that. I love that idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the, the team likes it as well mm. um uh, uh they're also experimenting with it at a client who's also a big fan and I think I think this works also other similar things. Right.
0: Thank you. I love hearing a little bit more about that process and kind of how you approach it. So, um, why don't we, uh, wrap it up and, and let's say, you know, what, what bit of homework would we give to our listeners here that they can actually apply in the day to day, uh, for this week that they're listening to the show? Is there anything that we can have them go out and uh, try out?
1: Um, I, I would say it depends on the situation that, um, I think what we do is very useful if you're changing jobs um, because we're literally changing jobs all the time, but all without time, changing yeah. jobs, uh, 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 the staff we have at Product People is permanent with us as this way we can help also grow their career. And we've noticed we have a better quality of service when our people are all in-house and we we can also support them behind the scene if, if someone ends up taking a bit of... A bigger bite than we initially thought, and so um, I, I think a, an interesting concept is if if your role uh, or team changes to start from beginning and and, and to look at um, what what you have there and question what, what what you're doing and and try to pretend you're a new person and and seeing if there's there's something you you would act differently on or, or change um, another thing I really liked reading, um, it, it's uh, called uh, the OODA loop, uh, Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. Mm-hmm. So it comes from military. It's mostly um, reassessing your environment quite often. Um, and exactly what it does, observe, orienting, making a decision, acting, then reincorporating this, this decision. And... Um, I think for for what what works for our relatively shorter term engagement in unknown places is things like this also thinking from first principles and understanding incentives because a lot of times when things get confusing we try to look back it's like okay why why is this situation happening and and how is it different not necessarily in product but also in um, in team uh let's say team social construct uh, Team dynamics. If if things are a bit uh, tense or seem to not working out, a lot of times is not the people. Because um, you you were asking me mm. earlier on on firing clients. So we we had someone where we, uh, winded down the engagement, but that mm. wasn't a specific individual. The whole culture was a bit blamey, and we had iterated mm. with having um different engagements uh, in different setups of that organization across about six months. And everyone we've had there um, came to me and said, um, well, I hope they don't renew or when it's possible, can I get out of the here and be on another client? I would like to b- go back to my previous client if possible. Yeah. Um, so it was a consistent feedback from people that they were not happy there. Um, also, when we were reviewing their work, we were giving them feedback how to change it. And they're like, yes, I had that initially, but they don't want it like this. Mm -hmm. They just want to call everything a project. They just want to do this and that. Mm -hmm. So even our people were frustrated and we were giving them feedback that, hey, this is not... Mm. um a, a part, or this is not like how we would do it and they were like yes i know but they don't let me do it <laughs> better yeah. um so so in that that cases we we also try to optimize for team happiness we've noticed which clients are ideal for us and um we try to find more clients like that so it means yeah, ideal that in sense. a sense yeah um I, I think it's kind of classic b2b because you can't be everything right. for everyone. So we try to focus on um, companies where our team also grows and learns, where they're very happy with us and they continuously have a need for us, regardless of the part of the organization, um, and that they also are treating us as a, as a partner. Um, it, Love that. And, and you can kind of feel that. So it's important for our people to have a good time and mm-hmm. learn and do uh, things that are up to the let's say, latest and greatest on the market, or, or at least um, things that they find interesting. Yeah. And, and as well for, for us, uh, where we continue relationships. So we've been, over time, trying to optimize for this type of clients. And it's, in some cases, we don't see a fit. We always try to see, okay, would, would this is this something that would happen at an ideal client? Is mm. it maybe an, an ideal client that's going through some rework or a bit of a rough patch or things are mm-hmm. a bit unclear? Or is it just not a fit for us longer term?
0: Yeah. Well, um, uh, love that. Thank you for sharing and thank you for thank being you. on the show. Um, I would say if I if I had to dish out any homework here last minute is uh go to getproductpeople.com, go check them out. You can join the community um and, and learn more about what they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of interesting things there. So um go read the ODA loop um yeah absolutely so um the the only other thing that, I, that comes top of mind in terms of homework would be that uh understand your environment and situation and ask questions and figure out what you know um figure out what works in order to to onboard successfully for yourself um but you know i want to thank you again uh, marilla thanks for coming on the show thanks for for chatting about this with me and uh um looks like we finished up our coffee so go level up This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.